Welcome to Evolve, everybody, where we focus on leadership evolution. And I'm Kim Ford, your host. And today I'm really excited to have Sean with me right from New York City. Shauna, can you take a second and introduce yourself and your company? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, good to see you, Kim. So my name is Shauna Schlossberg, and I'm the founder and CEO of a company called Upward and uh, one part of the company called Upward Labs. And what we do in the company is we are an innovation engine slash startup lab, and we developed an ideal ecosystem to fast track startups in the U.S., and what does that mean? So when startups come, either they can be U.S.-based startups or from, uh, you know, foreign startups. And, and they're in certain areas, and we're going to be talking about specifically prop tech, although we work in health tech as well. So they really, many of them are developing solutions in a vacuum or developed with one or two specific clients, but they have to understand how it fits the market and where is their opportunity, where should they be focusing. And the best way to do that is with a big boy at the table, meaning a really heavy client that knows the industry and can give them business if all goes well. And that's really what Upward Labs does. We have incredible corporate partners that range from the insurance companies, uh, very large uh, owners and commercial, multifamily, retail, industrial, and they represent vendors, owners, operators, developers, and they have needs. And we go out and we understand their needs, and then we find startups that can match. And then we create that forum between the two parties, and we sit alongside and really help it get to uh, the best outcome. And the best outcome may be a co-development or a pilot or an implementation or hopefully some sort of commercialization, and in some cases, an investment. So unlike, um, you know, there's accelerators out there that are more uh, working with numbers of companies and people are involved, we're very customized for each company that we accept. And we operate more like a VC fund with a business development arm than any accelerator incubator. That's awesome. Now, how has the pandemic affected your company and some of your startups? Was it, you know, at least what we've heard is, you know, some companies, it's been an amazing opportunity because it allowed their software to be more readily acceptable. And other companies have really struggled and they've had to let their competitors kind of dwindle out and really, you know, struggle so that they could maybe get a foothold moving forward. I think, you know, there's so many parts to that question. So I'll try to break it apart. We took a bet. Um, when we started, we were focused physically in Hartford, Connecticut. We were working with the corporates there, uh, UBS, Carrier, uh, Travelers, the Hartford. And it was really around um, making that connection so uh, local jobs can be created. And, um, and that was a model that we were uh, playing with. And the pandemic just froze everything, right? So it, it the, immediately it was it was not funny, but it started on right before the demo day of one cohort. So they lost on the demo day because it had to go virtual, and we were mid selection of the next cohort because we run them back to back, and so companies had had um, you know been accepted, received offers a second before the pandemic hit, and suddenly they're like, my whole world has collapsed. I don't, I can't, you know, oh, what we were seeing is that companies from uh, non-U.S. companies were terrified to come to the U.S., not only because they couldn't physically, because their company, their countries were shut down, but more than that, they said, 
it's a time of crisis. We have to, you know, gather our resources, focus locally. So it just shook everything in 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 the first months. Um, but we did. We actually ran a cohort physically in Hartford during the pandemic, our pandemic cohort, and we fought for it because the solutions were all pandemic related air quality, uh, occupancy, such important things. And on the other hand, we were focused in health tech on virtual digital health. So both were so important. And we said, against the odds, we need to make this happen. Now, from the, the cohort itself, it ended up being so like the best one because all our corporate partners, I don't wanna say had more time, but they weren't traveling like maniacs like they usually do. So they had more time to engage. The engagement was less formal. It wasn't in person, but it became better in a way. So no one had to juggle meetings and they, were, they, were, they had time. They had time to listen to the startups, to help them, to get them in organizations. So it was probably one of our most impactful cohorts and it, it, it had the best outcomes. Um, generally from the startups, because with the bets we took at, um, before COVID, like we were taking bets on air quality when air quality was a bad word in real estate. Like in commercial real estate, you said air quality, they're like, get away from me. There's, you know, I have the standards. I'm not even telling any of my tenants. We took a huge bet on it. And with things like um, occupancy detection to, you know, really radars that can do it. We took bets before when real estate said it's cute, but I won't pay a dime for it. That all shifted. So real estate, and you know this well, Kim, is, you know, I had a discussion with yesterday, uh, yesterday with a big owner in New York City, and he said to me, in our organization, we'll pay $100, we have to get 101 back. That's a real estate thing. So we're not spending a penny on anything. It has to fit in the margins. There has to be some return. So traditionally, the companies that had more success were energy efficiency companies, right, because they could do things like that. And suddenly, there needed to be... Uh, um, a catalyst almost in the industry to say, no, that's not the model. And that's what COVID did in real estate. So our companies, which were already doing well, they had good products, exploded, literally exploded. Some of our companies are doing so well now. I mean, their trajectory is 10, 15 X for us. It would never have been without COVID. And it happened on both sides because on the health side, we invested in tele-rehab and in virtual health and in uh, solutions for age tech, you know, for the nursing homes and assisted living. So the areas we're in, it really worked well for us. Now, there are companies that didn't do well. You're right. But I don't blame COVID for that because many of them did have an opportunity and at least in our case, I know in many areas this is not the case and, you know, their customers took a hit. But in our case, the ones that didn't succeed didn't have the sophistication to take advantage of it. And the ones that did blew up. Yeah, and they, yeah. they, 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 they need and, 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 and give it a roll. So have you had to pivot your business model? I mean, obviously, you saw this unique pop, right? This unique explosion. Did you have to make changes to the cohort, to the program, like to what you're doing? So one of the best gifts that COVID gave us, which you cannot feel during, right? During, I, it was a horrible, but after you see how valuable it is, was time. We were running back-to-back -back cohorts. The first three cohorts were back-to-back. -back, and suddenly we had half a year where we couldn't uh, and do it wasn't right. It wasn't the time. And it gave us time to think and to say, okay, what, what works? 
what didn't work, really look at the data, really look at our successes and say, you know, where are we strongest? Where do we offer the most value? And so the pivots that were made were not necessarily, that's what I'm saying, I'm grateful to COVID, but it wasn't specifically because of COVID, but some of it was because, you know, COVID spoke. And, and I think the, 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 the thing it spoke most loudly was, your team doesn't have to be in the same room all the time. I have teams working and it's very important to me that we're all physically together as much as possible. And a year goes by and we're, you're like, oh my God, I haven't seen this person in six months, but it doesn't feel that way. We were working so well together. And so you realize that that can happen also in true connections with the startups and the corporates and everything. While there is definitely is something about in-person it doesn't have to be all in person. So automatically the shift becomes, if it doesn't have to be in person, the model we were doing in Hartford was going to be replicated to other cities. And then we said, why? It could just be expanded to work in multiple cities at the same time, doing a lot of hybrid and a lot of virtual. And it's just about those meaningful connections where you're saying that's where we specialize. It's not a meeting between two people, uh, a corporate and a startup. It's this meaningful relationships of multiple months where they work hand in hand and that that can go bigger. So really the, the big change for us was not to focus on one city, to, to go up a little bit and be able to take partners from around the country and to be able to work with startups even more from around the world and not necessarily ones that can make it to a city for a certain number of months for whatever reason. And so that was, um, it almost happened very organically because you said, if it's not needed, why am I doing it, right? Like everything, we, we're doing something because we feel it's the only way to do it. And then you look at the data and you're like, no, there's other ways to do it. So the ability to take partners, we had almost 25 corporate partners. We want to double and triple that. And that had to go beyond a physical location. So I think that was the biggest thing we had to do. And I think and for, for, for a specific one of our startups, I mean, each one had to make a decision based on based on what was good for them at the time or um Again, it's it's an accelerant, it's a, it's a catalyst of, of things. So you, you know, some, this was a great time to grab an opportunity. Some, it was a great time to stay smaller and local and wait and, and hold on to the money they had. Some, it was a great time to raise a lot of money. So each one of our companies kind of went through a different story and um, of what what the impact was. That's awesome. What does that look like for startups? Um, I think I think that um, the thing I was saying earlier about this ability to build teams, and I'm not saying, you know, I don't still think that it's about hiring wherever and, and, and having very, um, you know, disconnected teams, because that can happen too. So it's not all about the, the working remotely. I don't think, I think it's, you can, if you can do it correctly, that's a huge asset to a company that they can say, you know, People, people can work. I think, I think for many years, and I myself am guilty. I didn't trust people can work from home. I remember that you worked from home when there was a snow day, right? And exactly. I don't know how much you know about snow days, Kim, but oh, maybe yeah. a little bit. <laughs> but we, we, you know, in the in the Northeast and here, and especially in Connecticut, we face them. And then you're like, oh, I gotta get to work from home. And people would say that was my best day that week. I got the most done, or they took a day from home to really get stuff done. And here you realize that. It's not a bad word to work from home. It's fine. It's not a punishment. You can do it. And that allows you more flexibility when you're hiring, when you're growing. And so I think that's the return is, is not one thing for, for someone. It's 
you're, you're figuring it out and it's okay. Like, I don't know the answer to that. I know that me personally, um, I miss the office and I'm about to go back to one. And one of my employees, she lives in the West Coast and she's in WeWork. And then there's one that doesn't. And so I think the empowering, and this is, again, something that I was less good at and became better at because they were so good during the pandemic. You're like, they're amazing. They, no one took advantage of it. And they were working so hard and we felt so connected. You're like, they're adults. They can decide what they want to do. And I think we're going to see that a lot more, especially in the smaller companies, because it's better for them, right, that you can empower employees that way. But I think in many companies will say that the employees, that the good ones, like, went above and beyond. They were so good, and they were so dependable and reliable. The bad ones, you know, were always the bad ones, and it's probably a good test to, to see who doesn't fit. And because... And, you don't have to babysit employees. You shouldn't have to. And I think that's the biggest gift of something like this. And in the startup space, like I'm saying, it's it's a very, very important gift because the more you can build independent teams that and that people that you can empower and say, this is yours, go do it, go figure it out. And it's months of work and you don't have to, you, you can stay a little bit high level. That's amazing. Yeah, and it's yeah. Actually, in certain positions, you can really um, have a distributed workforce and feel like they can exactly. be connected. Um, and if you're really creative, you can do different meetings that just foster that kind of growth together. And I, I think we're going to see a lot more of that as, you know, yeah. six months a year from now continues. Um, you know, I don't think everybody's going to be working from home forever. I don't think that's really no. our goal. I think it's, you know, I like to work from home here and there, but I like to go to the office. I prefer to get up and actually leave my house. Um, but, you know, every once in a while on a snow day or on a, you know, a Friday afternoon, it's nice to work from, you yeah. know, and finish up a bunch of emails from your house. Do you have any advice for business leaders as they kind of continue to evolve in a post-pandemic world? So, you know, when when I'm looking for when I'm looking at even our clients, which are these owners and I hear things like I, I heard the other day, which is we can only adopt technology if we if it pays off. You realize that um, they're, they're still fighting for the old world. And you, sorry, you see that a lot across the board. They're saying we just we're getting back to more normal, getting back to normal. And. I mean, these are cliches, the new normal and all that. The world has changed, period. Yeah. The world has changed. Your tenants have changed. Their employees have changed. Every person was affected. If it was, if it would only have been a month, we would have rolled right back. And, and even me, like I'm saying, the fact that I'm fighting to work crazy amount of hours like I used to before the pandemic. And I said, no, I liked how it felt in last year that there was more balance. There's many people like that. So we have clients that are traveling all the time and are working crazy hours. They may not be willing to do that anymore. So on multiple fronts for these uh, CEOs or, or uh, people who are running companies, the world did shift. And if you keep on fighting and saying, no, we didn't, we'll just go back. It just was time. You're going to be left not of the successful bunch, if you will. On the other hand, I don't think many of them have to be the first one out and to make decisions, but just be open. Just be open and respect what that something major has happened in people's lives for the last year and a half. And I think most people will say, while there was negativity, the outcome has been a lot of positivity and a lot of growth and a lot of insight. And we're seeing a lot of movement. People are leaving companies. They want to change. And that's not because, 
you know, they they want something specific it's because they realize the job they have is not where they want to be and it doesn't make them happy. So being happy has become really important. So if you want to get the best talent and if you want people who are engaged, you have to empower them. You have to allow them to decide where they want to work and how they want to work. I don't think uh, a lot of uh, company owners can make that decision in many cases anymore. And I think it's a reality that has to sink in is that the top of the food chain, that CEO is not the most powerful one in the company anymore. <laughs> So being open and and it's the same thing around, you know, so, so we speak on multiple fronts with our for the startups. It's understanding that it's more collaborative than it's ever been involved them in decisions. And I've been working on that myself because I wasn't always like that. And for the big owners, it's to say the world has changed. I need to be open to the new. I have to. And we're, we're doing a lot of work now, Kim, in net zero. We're about to launch our net zero lab um, around carbon reduction. And it's a national lab. And even those owners, the New York City owners who are under law are saying, um, oh, whatever, I have to. So maybe I will. And then you're saying, but it's the world has shifted. Climate change has become the most important. Yes, you can say, I don't want it, but maybe tenants won't come into the building. You know, tenants are not coming into buildings now if if there's not, if it's not being cleaned enough or there's not good air quality. The next shift may be, you know, you're not a responsible owner. Your ESG, you know, you're not, you're not really focused on that. I don't want to be here because I could choose where to be. And owners have to understand the power that tenants have is more than ever. In, the tenants have less employed because their employees have all the power. And the world is kind of uh, rocking on its side. And that, I think, is, is, is going to keep. That's not going anywhere. Like, that is shift. You know how I always say there's, from every big change, I remember 9-11, like, tons of things happened. But what stopped was the TSA at the airports, right? Our airport experience has changed for life, not going back. That is one of the things that is not going back. The, the shift between ten, um, the boss and the employees, the tenant and their employees, and that that's there to stay. They That's it. The hierarchy no, is over. The hierarchy is has been hurt forever, and maybe for the better, right? I, I do think it's for the better. No, it doesn't. It doesn't. Um, the goal with the ball is to help leaders to learn, connect, and grow together. And Shauna, thank you for taking your time today to talk to us and share your insight, share what's going on, and. I can't wait to uh, to see you again, maybe on a stage somewhere in in, in the warmth. <laughs> well, thank you so much, Kim. It's such a pleasure speaking to you today. And I, I appreciate you listening to my thoughts and insights. So thank you. Awesome. Thank you so much.